This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. This weekend sees the return of Healing Appalachia in Greenbrier County. The music festival features performances by regional musical luminaries, but the festival has a larger mission than just a good time. I want to be a part of the solution to this and not sit on the sidelines and start helping my neighbors. That story and more this West Virginia Morning. West Virginia's Transportation Secretary testified before U.S. Senate Committee yesterday on the state's progress and problems with the new Infrastructure Act. Randy Yowie has more. Transportation Secretary Jimmy Riston spoke before the U.S. Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works. Riston's panel was asked what's working and what's not with the $350 billion Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Riston praised the bridge program and said the federal formula will ensure that all of the state's 7,100 or so bridges are safe to cross. We're going to be able to operate within the guidelines of this bridge program and take care of all the poor, the bridges that are rated poor that are off system. We think we can do them all. For problems, Riston noted it's taken decades to complete the Corridor H project, largely due to poorly coordinated federal management, and he worries that will continue. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie. Appalachian Power tried again Wednesday to convince Virginia regulators to extend the life of two West Virginia power plants. Curtis Tate has more. Appalachian Power went back to the Virginia State Corporation Commission about a year after the body rejected its plan for the John Amos and Mountaineer power plants. The utility asked regulators again to approve its request for Virginia ratepayers to contribute to upgrades for the coal-fired plants to keep them operating beyond 2028. Virginia's Clean Economy Act requires an increasing portion of the state's power to come from renewable sources. Attorneys for the Sierra Club and Appalachian Voices have argued that shutting the plants down in 2028 is a better deal for ratepayers. The West Virginia Public Service Commission last year approved the upgrades to keep the plants running. If nothing changes, West Virginia ratepayers will be the ones paying the cost. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. West Virginia's U.S. Senator Joe Manchin is a congressional deal broker. The two-term Democrat has stood up to some of President Joe Biden's legislative agenda. In the latest episode of Us and Them, host Trey Kay looks at the future for Joe Manchin. Here's an excerpt from the episode called Manchin in the Middle. Although he's currently a registered Republican... Robert White is one of a large number of West Virginians who were once members of the state's Democratic Party. Robert and I have known each other for decades. And while his party affiliation may have changed, his support for Joe Manchin has not. Uh, There was a time from when I was 18 until probably 50 that I was a registered Democrat. And then the party walked away from me. And, and so, I, you know, I, I decided to walk away from them as well. So that's something I've, I've heard before. Like people say, I didn't leave the party. The party left me. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I would even say with the modern day Democratic Party, they've kind of left Joe Manchin and the things that he stood for and believed in. And the reason that I continue to support Joe Manchin is he cares sincerely and deeply about the state of West Virginia. 
He's not afraid to say he loves his country. But I think that the Democratic Party, if it would get back to not not being afraid to make the far left mad by saying how much they love America, and that America is the greatest country in the world, and God bless America. I, I think these things are heartfelt by Americans, and they bring pride and joy to Americans' heart to hear and say them. I think we take that away and are constantly bickering about America is this, America is that. We're getting tired of hearing that, and we want to hear something good about our country. And I think Democrats have left that completely out of their playbook. And it's because of the Democratic Party selling out to the left and not remembering their base. They used to care about people. They used to be the working man's party. They used to be for the common American. And I think they've allowed Republicans to steal those voters. If he ran as a Republican, would you vote for him? Yes, but I don't think he will. I think he's a Democrat. I think he's a West Virginia Democrat. And I think he's the last of a dying breed of the real West Virginia Democrats. I don't feel the same about a lot of Republicans as I do Joe Manchin. I don't agree with everything he says and does, but I do agree with the fact that whatever it is, he believes it in his heart and he thinks it's best for the state of West Virginia. He's one of the last real true Democrats of West Virginia. West Virginia are different Democrats. They are very patriotic. They love the state. They love the country. They are true blue working man politicians, but they all went away. They all went away uh, with a big progressive push to the left, and it pretty much cleared them out of office. And... Uh, and that's amazing to me because only if seems to me only a few short years ago, Democrats ran the state and it was really an event if a Republican were to, were to advance in the state of West Virginia. Seasoned political observers will tell you that elections are all about animal instincts. People tend to vote from their gut and not their head. And that's where Joe Manchin always seems to have an edge on the competition. He connects with voters in a way that can't be explained by polling or surveys. You know, I keep noticing as we're talking here, you don't say Senator Manchin. You keep referring to him by his first name. Why is that? That's kind of like his campaigns. It doesn't say tell Senator Manchin this or it doesn't say tell Senator Manchin that. It says tell Joe. And when he speaks he speaks in a way that is like a joe uh, it's not like senator manson he speaks just straight to you i mean straight to your heart that excerpt is from the latest us in them episode mansion in the middle tune in tonight at eight on west virginia public broadcasting where you can hear the entire episode there will be an encore episode on Saturday, September 24th at 3 p.m. Us and Them is supported by the West Virginia Humanities Council, the CRC Foundation, the Greater Kanawha Valley Foundation, and the Daywood Foundation. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.51.
Rain and thunderstorms early today, becoming partly sunny and breezy. High temperatures in the 60s and low 70s. Partly cloudy tonight with lows in the 40s. Tomorrow, sunny and cooler with highs in the 50s and 60s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Torres Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TorresSaveAlaw.com. And by the West Virginia Division of Rehabilitation Services, providing consumer-driven vocational solutions to help people with disabilities get or keep a job. Vocational services at WVDRS.org. This weekend sees the return of the Healing Appalachia Music Festival in Greenbrier County. But the festival has a larger mission than just a good time. Inside Appalachia's Bill Lynch spoke with festival organizer Charlie Hatcher about what the festival hopes to accomplish. Charlie, first off, tell me what is Healing Appalachia? Healing Appalachia is an event that is organized and put on by Hope in the Hills. Hope in the Hills is the 501c3 nonprofit that's behind Healing Appalachia. Healing Appalachia is the event. So Hope in the Hills, and, tell me about that. Well, Hope in the Hills was created back in 2000, it was 2016. We started into this thing. Basically, I, I had a, a friend of mine, her son had passed away. I dealt with a lot of death, I felt, that year from friends of mine that have passed away due to overdose, drug abuse. And when my friend called, that was kind of the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. At that point, I just sat there and thought, you know, to myself, I want to be a part of the solution to this and not sit on the sidelines and start helping my neighbors and start helping my friends, start helping my family. If you live in Appalachia, everybody knows somebody. I always say, whether it was your brother, your preacher, your teacher, your mother, your cousin, if you live here, you've been affected by it in one capacity or another. You know, just sitting, it's hard to sit back and watch it go down like this. We're proud people. We're hard workers. Whenever there's a disaster, such as, you know, flooding that's gone on, you always see communities come together and lift one another up. You know, I guess one of my personal goals with Hope in the Hills was to capture that feeling and keep it going year round. The the first concert, the first festival, uh, what year? Was that 2016, 2017? 2018. It took us about it took us about a year and a half to get the whole thing together and go through the process to become a nonprofit, assembling a board, figuring out you know because we we are a true definition of a nonprofit. Um, we're all volunteer. I had to leave the board because it became way too much, and I'm the only paid employee of the board, and I'm I'm just an independent contractor, and that's mainly because. It's here in Lewisburg, where I live. We're a granting organization. We're not doctors. We're not a recovery center. We grant out money to those that are working in fields of recovery. We're doing this this festival. Have you got any pushback? Nobody ever tried heroin or meth for the first time and said, hey, I want to be an addict. You don't go into it thinking that that's the case. And, and, you know, let me back up to these needle exchange clinics. It's a public health thing more than anything. The, the, the rise in hepatitis, the rise in AIDS, diseases that are spread through intravenous drug use are all a public health crisis. And if we can do anything to curb that, then we should. And it's hard for folks to understand that. I have to say I was guilty of it, too. I did not understand until I actually sat down and listened and looked at the statistical data behind this. And if you look and you see where the highest rates of AIDS transmission, hepatitis transmission, they're all in areas where there are not these these needle exchanges. Folks that want to do drugs are going to find a way to do it. 
they are. But if we can get them into these clinics where we're giving them clean supplies and getting a moment to talk, it was all worth it. Because if that one moment stuck and they said, you know what, man, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to find the chain. I, I'm not, I don't want to be this anymore. Then it was all worth it. If you look at these areas where these these clinics are available to folks, the hepatitis and AIDS numbers are down. A big problem with, with drug abuse is, is theft. You know, people break into your uh, tool shed and steal your weed eater and things of that nature. And people get angry, and they should be angry. But be a part of the solution. Sitting back on the sidelines and throwing stones at folks is not going to get us any. Getting folks to be part of the festival, has it been hard to... Well, fortunately, I work for a company called WhizBang, which is the management company that does Tyler's career. And Tyler's a friend of mine. I've known Tyler, I think we first met in 16, and I spoke with Ian Thornton. He is Tyler's. Ian said, well, let's talk to Tyler and see if he, this is something that he would be willing to be a part of. And he's been a great partner. He grew up in Appalachia. He knows what it's like. And he's always, anytime we've ever been there and in need, he was always there to help us. And he's been a great partner in this. Also, you, you look into the music community. You know, the unfortunate thing there is substance use disorders, very prominent in the music industry. I mean, look at all the greats that we've lost due to drug abuse, alcohol abuse over the years. So folks, it becomes easier when they understand who we are and what we do. It's not just about music, though. You've got uh, some other things happening during the festival, right? Oh, yeah. It's definitely not just about We have over 30 service providers from eastern Tennessee, North Carolina, West Virginia, Virginia, southeastern Ohio, Pennsylvania. There are people that come in. We don't advocate for one type of recovery. We do you know, because each person's different. We advocate for what works best for you. So that's why we have different service providers coming in from all over the place. And in hopes someone might say, you know, and another thing too, we have over 20, I think it's 31 states represented in ticket sales this year. So maybe someone comes here and says, oh man, you guys are in our neighborhood. My cousin, he's not doing so good. Maybe we can get him down to talk. You know, that, that's the hope behind it all. It's a hope that there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And it, my hope is that everyone can see that. It is a hard path and it's a hard road. But people do recover, man. I've got friends that have, you know, they're in, you know, 10, 11 years of sobriety and recovery. And it's a struggle for them every day, but they stay strong and they're prominent people. I mean, they're out here, folks, that you never thought would ever hold down a job. They're just out here doing, having two and three jobs, you know, taking care of their kids, getting married, taking care of their neighbors, looking after people. So it is possible to recover. And the hope is that someone will find one of these recovery booths or, or places of recovery at our event and maybe be able to help a friend. The Healing Appalachia Music Festival runs Friday through Saturday. Limited tickets are still available. For more information about the festival or Hope in the Hills, visit HealingAppalachia.org. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, David Adkins, Eric Douglas, Jessica Lilly, Liz McCormick, Randy Yoey, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.